You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. On this week's bonus episode, Pat was out and about talking to some of Ireland's best rugby players. Yeah, um, we're chatting to Lynn Cantwell and Jamie Heaslip about the new uh, Guinness campaign, Liberty Fields, but... Uh, Japan's first kind of ladies uh, women's team. Saw and then, the ad, very cool. It's class, isn't mm-hmm. it? And then also talking to Peter O'Mahony, who's uh, basically the new face of, of Marks and Spencer. So he's out uh, strutting the stuff last week. So we'll start off with Peter O'Mahony and then go into Heaslip and Lynn Cantwell. Right, so we're here today with Peter O'Mahony, the, basically the face of MS now and their, their <laughs> new campaign. <laughs> the new, of all the catalogues, you're going to be on at least 60% of the pages from now on. Is that the, the deal? Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, I was going to start off there, and it might be a, not a tough one, but give you a couple of seconds to think about it if it is a bit tough. But I was going to say to you, start off with your, your, the proudest achievement in, in your life to date. Jesus, <laughs> start off with a handy one. Um, I think becoming a dad for the first time. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to have two now, uh, so they're probably one and two yeah. on the list. And um, we were just chatting there before we started about Barry Murphy having the, the two. Any advice for him? Keep the head down. <sighs> Twins, different animal. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you were going to have your work cut out, kid. Best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were at the, it was at the Rugby Riders Awards there last week that, um, that Guinness had on in the, the storehouse there. And, and your father was there at, uh, accepting a rake of awards for, for Cork Con. Mm. Um, looks a good bit like you there. And you can, actually, you, know, you can see the resemblances and even the way he talks as well. But um, <laughs> was he always just mad into the rugby, like as far as you can remember as well? Yeah, he was. He was, he was always hugely involved up in, up in Con. He was present there last year. But... He was. He's always been involved since since I can remember. Um, you know, whether I was playing, um, you know, bringing me up there when I was a small fella, coaching. Then when he he eventually packed it in, and uh, you know, moving on to all the the committees and whatever they do and presidential duties last year. He's uh, yeah. He's um, like an old piece of furniture up there. <laughs> I think it was. Um Maybe Brian Hickey or something from down there. He was saying that uh, you were in from around six, and he said from that age you could always tell that you were just mad into it, and you can tell that this lad is a, a lad to keep keep his eye on. Did you were you as confident when you were six years old that you were going to be a rugby player when you grew up? No, I wasn't. Uh, I always enjoyed it though, which is which is the thing I loved. I just hang around all week waiting for the Saturday to spend it in Con, and um, I always enjoyed it, which was you know which is a great thing. Um, lucky enough to, to make a job of it in the end but I don't think I was I could ever say I was overly confident about getting there um, it's not something you, you know you really think of when you're a small fella they're kind of you know the teams I used to follow um, they were like superhuman almost mm. and uh, you kind of say to yourself I'd never end up like that but I enjoy playing it anyway so I'll stick at it and uh, uh, luckily uh, here we are I remember at the time you were, you were chatting um, before about saying how when you first got into Munster you shadowed Anthony Foley wherever he went and you know number eight as well was the ambition and was there lads in Con who would have played for like Munster in Ireland that you would have been like lives when you were like kind of eight nine ten like that you would have these are the as you said the superheroes super superhuman lads yeah they, they were I mean the teams back then playing in Con were. You know, like probably nearly all of them would have been, would have gone on to, you know, uh, provincial teams or and beyond. You know, mm. um, you know, 
the pack alone, your guys like Donica, Mikko, um, you know, Jerry Murray, Ultra O'Callaghan, number eight. Um, you know, all would have played David Corkery, all would have played provincial rugby. Um, Frankie Sheehan, Brian O'Mara, Ron O'Gara, Anthony Horgan, you know, both the O'Mahony brothers. I mean, you know, they were quality teams. Mm. So it was, uh, I suppose it was a good stead to to be following such, such successful teams as well. You know, you always, you know, expected to win, had a huge hunger to win. And, you know, any time we went anywhere, like I'm talking about we as me going <laughs> as a young fella, you know, we, you know, it was always finals days or, you know, we were expecting to win. It was great. It was, it was really enjoyable. And, and did you ever, you know, at this stage now you've been, I think maybe 10 years, you were basically in, in Munster Academy from an early age and, and came through and captain from an early age as well. But did you ever have a, a day job on the side or a part-time job? I remember talking to Simon Zuba before and he said he worked in, in Roaches because he crashed his sister's Peugeot or something like that and he had to earn a bit of money to pay for it. Did you, did you, ever, did you ever have a day job or anything like that aside from rugby? Um, I had a few small jobs. Uh, worked in the bar in Clan yeah. uh, as a young fella. Um, my uncle had a kayaking business in, in West Cork that I used to go down to in summers and uh, give him a hand. Um, other than that, I, I, was, I was lucky enough to be asked to into the academy in my final year of, uh, in school, into the sub-academy and kind of stuck at it from there. So I, I haven't done any proper work really. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of time for that now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, plenty of time for it. Um, Ian Costello before, I remember chatting to him and he was talking about you when you were in the academy and, and when he was looking after and he was saying that within a week of training he said he knew you were going to be the captain of that side as well. Like, um, was it something that you had done all the way through? Like, was, had you captain in Con as well? Was it something that you felt came naturally to you or is it a learning process as you're going along? Um, I, I was always asked to kind of do it and time I didn't know why a lot of the times it was one of the better players rest I don't know whether it was because because you were any good at actually being a captain or not and um, I, I've always enjoyed being involved in the in the the planning of the strategy of of you know staying in the loop of what's going on around the place um, you know I, I've just enjoyed that that part of it um, parts of it are Paying the whole stuff yeah. as well, you know what <laughs> I mean. But uh, it, you know, it's a huge honour as well. Uh, above above anything else, it's a huge honour, particularly you know, Con Munster Ireland. You know, I've been lucky enough to captain them, and uh, you know, it's been an honour every time I've done it. Uh, you know, I joke, but it's it's the furthest thing from mature. It's it's a huge honour. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about the as you said the the pride for you, but sometimes you don't get a chance to say it, but. I remember even just for me or just sitting there being proud of someone else or being proud of a, another person or player was the time we all went uh, down the UL, that, that, that terrible week that you guys all went through when Anthony Foley had passed away. But being there for that kind of press briefing with yourself and Razzie side by side, but uh, like you just spoke from the heart. Like I always thought that was such a, so impressive at the time considering you were going through such a tough week. Like, and it must have been maybe one of the toughest things you had to do that whole week. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the toughest thing I've ever done as a... With regard to being a professional, I suppose, person in the in in the media spotlight, it's definitely mm. the hardest uh, twenty minutes that I've I've done. Uh, but you know, that's a, it's not something everyone has to do. Uh, fortunately, um, not something I ever want to do again. To be honest, uh, 
but you know uh, that's just part of of the job role um, that we needed to do that and and mm. um, you know as I said I, I was lucky enough to to spend a huge amount of time with him and that meant that I could speak you know about it and and uh, speak from from the heart you know and um, I remember actually talking to Sean O'Brien and he was saying like you were kind of a, yourself and Sean were both unlucky not to make that Ireland squad that went over to Soldier Field then as well and, and played the All Blacks but I remember he was saying they were coming back from a Zebra game and they were getting updates from the, the pilot about how that game was going do you, do you remember where you were when you were, you were watching that game and, and maybe that moment where you saw this figure of eight on the, on the field as well what, what you felt yeah I watched it at home I was, I was very proud you know um, seeing the the lads told me that the, what the plan was and you know seeing the monster lads up the front and you know i thought it was a nice touch to uh, you know joe came up and, and said it to the lads they said and um you know it was it was, it was a lovely touch to be able to do it mm. and uh you know we you know there was lots of occasions that we were able to to pay a bit of, bit of tribute and and you know that was a very special one obviously and and missing out on that chance to play the all blacks that time but then um was it nine months later and maybe that big england game where you kind of there was the injury to Jamie just beforehand and, and got a chance to go on the Lions tour as well. And um, when you look back at it, you know, like when it was still, I remember speaking to you maybe that November after that tour and we were talking about being the captain and, and all that kind of stuff that was, that was involved in that tour and family being over there as well. Do you look back at it now, like two years later, like a big source of pride as well and, and everything that went on over there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, know, uh, to, you know, to be picked for the Lions is, is, is incredibly special. Um, uh, you know, I can I can say I gave it a hundred percent. You know, mm. um, I love loved every minute of it. I, I, I watched that that uh, that South African tour DVD to death when I was a young fella. Um, you know, seeing the crack, it was kind of the changing over period between amateur and professional. You couldn't be videoing uh, that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, nights out and that kind of thing, and uh, not for any particular reason. Yeah. No, just the fact that it just couldn't be done. <laughs> And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was it was an incredible, incredible, uh, you know, piece of of my career today to be selected for them, and you know, to to captain the a test team is, uh, you know, not something that many people can can say they've done, and uh, certainly something that uh, you know I'll cherish with me for, for long after I finish playing rugby. And is there still then? You know, even the fact that it ended in a draw, and then you know you, you were you were playing so well with that the Merry game, Crusaders game leading into that as well. And is there still would you love again twenty twenty one like to get that chance and again of, of to go to South Africa maybe as well? Like that's something to be pushing towards. I know there's bigger goals right in front of you, but something to be looking forward to as well. A hundred percent. You know, I'd be lying if I said it. You know, obviously I said I said I, lo- I loved it, and it was it's it's an incredible uh, it's an incredible few weeks and. You know, <coughs> excuse me, touch wood if uh, you know it ever came around again that I was still playing and and still fit and, and performing well enough. You know, I I would love to to love to love to tour with them again. It's uh, it's so special. It's uh, I don't think you could uh, you could you know talk about it without having experienced it. It's it's uh, I would imagine a snapshot of amateur rugby. You know, coupled with you know some of the greatest players ever to have played the game mm. at that at that time and uh usually enjoyable great fun and you finally did get a crack then at the all i know you'd played them a few times before before you got a crack at them in dublin the all backs again then last november and um so remember that game i was sitting up in the the, the media seats up in the west stand and 
I think you got you got treated around three times for different ailments during the game. But uh, you know, I always kind of remember that moment. I think it was 55 minutes. I was convinced you were off. I think I even tweeted that you were coming off, and you managed to play on. And five minutes later, does that Bowden Barrett grubber kick through? And can you just remember what's what's going through your head there when when that's happening? Uh, look, the instinct is when you see a fella put a foot in the ball, you either try and stop it or you try and get back and, mm. and work hard as you can. And to be honest, it kind of set up for me more more than anything. Um, so I was lucky to to be able to get back and get my hands on it because it was uh, we were under a bit of pressure. But look, you know, it was a good day all round. Obviously, it was another one for the the crack afterwards. It was great. <laughs> um. Because I suppose looking back on that game, because even I remember the Argentina game the week before. I think you were you got mad at the match and that. But again, I think I think maybe at the time your ribs might have been at you or something. But can you remember specifically back then? You like were you playing through the pain at that stage yourself? Probably pain in my lungs more than anything. <laughs> uh, you know, when you play against teams like that, it's uh, they're long burners and the, you know the, the amount of ball and play time is uh, is is incredible and. Um, you know they, they push it to your limit. Um, on top of the fact that they're, you know, Argentina, New Zealand, you know, they're incredibly physical on top of it. So it's it's a combination of of all of them. And you know, the time of the year you're you're after European games, you're, you know, what I mean, you're certainly not a hundred percent going mm. into any of those games. But um, you know, this this guy's out there in the same boat, and you have to battle through. And um, what's going through your head then? Because I think you came off of fifteen minutes ago and. Like the I, I, apparently the 2013 that was a great atmosphere down as well that that game against the All Blacks but the noise that were coming out of the Aviva that night to to be on the bench and to be watching the lads then you know holding out there for the final minutes mm. you know can you you know what was it like to kind of be on the bench and watch it all unfold Yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, it was probably the I suppose last earlier on uh, probably the the best atmosphere I've by far I've ever played in the Aviva but certainly up there with, with probably the best I've ever played in you know with, up there with the Millennium and at the last World Cup against France um, you know it just seemed relentless the noise from the crowd that night and uh, you know I, I would have preferred to stay on to be honest with you because at least you have you have mm. some sort of a, a control over what's going on but uh, it's dreadful having to sit on the bench and watch it to be honest and uh, but look the crowd that day were second to none and uh, you know a big factor in, in what we were we were doing out there and you got ahead with yourself, of yourself at the very end when everybody was celebrating that clip that was going around the view <laughs> <laughs> launching yourself up and then yeah. remembering that you were injured as yeah, well yeah yeah the, the dead leg didn't approve of it no it was uh, well, that was great crack I, I was looking back at um because there is that thing of uh, it's this thing of you know it's a monster phase of like going to the well as well and um looking back at that the the grand slam and when you guys played against France and it's this 41 phases and I remember at the time I looked back at it and you had like 17 involvements in those 41 phases like primary involvements and um, you know there we are going up until like I think the 81st minute like is it just something that just takes over and it's pure you know like a, you can't feel the pain at this stage because you're in a wave of momentum or is there any way to describe how you can kind of go to that well and kind of get it this little bit extra out of yourself? Yeah, it's it's difficult certainly. Um, I suppose the days you do all your training for is is you know what you you know what you do that much in training is is what you, at that point you're an autopilot is what you you automatically mm. do and and you know that's been a big thing from Joe's if you know if you're regularly doing it um, when you get to that state that that's they're the things you go back to and um, 
you know, you, you got, you know, 41 phases, you see the amount of, you know, crossfield kick to, to Earls, the Earls he gets up over, uh, up over the French winger, you know, incredible take, concentration levels, you know, break, uh, that breakdown is, uh, you know, 20 yards from the next Irish person, but, you yeah. know, guys turn up and, um, you know, you're just, you're on autopilot and you're, uh, you're just trying to add as much as you can. Um, thankfully, he, he knocked it over because I don't know how much much of us <laughs> had left in in the tank at that stage. The, the, one of the most impressive things it was it, it, from that campaign was the England game and to go over there and the weather to be absolutely brutal and cold and all. But maybe even me as an Irish person, having watched Irish sides over the years, I would have been nervous going there. But there didn't seem to be any nerves from you guys in the day. It just seemed to be this kind of you all knew what you had to do. It was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen for you as well like can you remember what it was like to be in that team when everybody knew what their job was and performed everything to such a high level yeah, it was great look we were we had some uh look we had some good momentum and we were we were playing well um you know you, you need a bit of luck as well we got a couple of bounces of the ball um you know, we, a couple of our first phase strikes came off nicely as well, and and you know it gives you a bit of momentum, and all of a sudden you have a bit of a, a gap in the in the score, and you know, I, you know even going back to Wales, last Six Nations, when you do get that bit of a, a gap, it's hard for teams to to pull it back nowadays because mm. you, you kind of have to get away from your game plan a little bit, which means you're you're probably opening yourself up defensively. You know, which you know, you're trying to play out of your half, and and t defenses are so good, it's difficult. And uh, you know, again, we got, we, we certainly got a bit lucky, but we, we we certainly played well that day, and it was, uh, it was uh, yeah, it was a nice feeling afterwards. Again, it was uh, a nice feeling during it. It was one of those games that it wasn't nail biting for the mm. last three minutes. It's yeah. nice to be able to enjoy that. But look, they're uh, they're the kind of days you wanna. You want to try and recreate and, and, and do special things, which is, uh, you know. And there was something at the end of that, there was a few faulty medals, maybe lads were losing medals all over the place as well, but you gave yours away to Jennifer Malone at the end, and that's a girl who's kind of, she beat so many of the current house training sessions and follow you guys all over the country as well, but it's just something that you wanted to do. Were you confident that you might get another one, a replacement one, or is it just sore? Oh yeah, she hung around. You touched on how cold it was that day, and she yeah. hung around afterwards. And one of the uh, backroom staff came in and, and said she's outside. So there, there was a few of us headed out. There was there was loads of guys. There was photos of guys afterwards. And um, I brought the trophy out to her and told her, told her to to mind it. And uh, and she was delighted with herself, you know. And and she spent, you know, we were in the dressing room for forty five, fifty minutes, and. and after all the game, she she hung around for that that amount of time as well, and and as you said, you know November, February, you know January when it's cold in Carton House, and, and she's there for most of her sessions, you know, um, you know that means a lot to us as well, mm. and uh, it's nice to be able to, you know, present her with something small. And if there's a medal in Japan of of any colour, let's say, would you be hanging on to it or just kind of? Again, just let let your instinct take over. No, I haven't. We won't be thinking about that. <laughs> um, just I suppose I'll finish up now. We're just kind of saying, um, is um, are you guys like, any family heading over to this World Cup as well, or is it just kind of? It's uh, it's wait and see now. Hopefully, selection wise yeah. and all that kind of thing. Mm. We'll uh, we'll hang off from booking anything until um, selection selection goes. Then well, give me a heads up. Get on Sky Scanner. 
Yeah, head of panic booking, yeah. Um, well, listen, that's it. And, and as I said, I think last time um, Haskell, he's on the UK's House of Rugby, he was saying he's looking forward to getting a JCB into your garden one day and helping you out with a bit of landscaping. <laughs> I keep an eye on the CCTV. <laughs> Cheers for that, Peter. Thanks. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Jamie, Lynn, good to see you here today in this cavernous room and we're all sitting here nice and cosy together. Um, just the, today is the big launch of the, the big Guinness ad, isn't it? The, about the pioneers, this, this women's team as well. But uh, have, you, have you guys seen it for long? I know it's going to only get you know, unveiled to the world tonight, but have you guys seen it a couple of days in advance and, and what did you make of it as well? Uh, well, we've got a sneak. Yeah. Episode. All right. Do you have to sign the NDA before you, you get to watch it? <laughs> Someone's holding a gun to me now. Yeah, um, yeah it's really interesting um, to hear their story, like starting back in... 1989, mm. um, and how the the cultural norms uh, were so so different uh, back then as they are now. And it's when when you when you look back with today's lens, back that far, mm. it must have been and the challenges they must have faced. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's educational for for me definitely. And then also, I just I couldn't. Um, you, you just can't. I, I can't comprehend it being like that today. Yeah. Facing those, like, I, like I just for me that just doesn't sit well with how today. But back then, that's kind of what the norm was. But that's not saying it's that was the right thing. But mm. how amazing it was for them to to step up to that challenge despite um, everything that they faced. I think. What do you think? Yeah. Like I, I loved. Um, we were saying before. I loved how just honest and lovely and genuine yeah. it was about how much they loved rugby mm-hmm. um, and there was a couple of quotes you know one of the ladies and I think it was so powerful because you know they're these um, lovely admirable older Japanese ladies <laughs> and they're speaking about the how strong they felt when they were playing rugby as they had like one tooth missing and were crying <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just from a personal point of view just it resonates so much that we know that sport has the ability to give that to you in buckets, yeah. you know, and invest in you as a person and make you grow up as a person, an adult, etc. Um, and just to see that, that that's what they experienced. And because culturally, as, as Jamie was saying, and the era that they were experiencing that in was just so averse to it, mm-hmm. but yet that feeling was just so addictive. They were like, wow, this has to be, go- has to be good. Like, don't yeah, tell me yeah. this is not good because it is good. And I think that was lovely because that's just the essence of sport. And intuitively, you know that it's just so good. So I think from a woman in sport point of view, like intuitively, you know that feeling is so good. And that's why you're like, Nah, society can't be telling me not to do this thing because this, this is great. Yeah. As a person, this is great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of stay on this track, and hopefully, then as years pass by, things have changed and more people are able to kind of get that feeling because there's more availability for it. You know. Because yeah, there's a there's a, a bit of a promo for it as well that goes out and. Um the, you can just see one of the girls with a sack of flour and practicing in the kitchen or something like that as well and, and you could just see the mum maybe looking what is this one up to like, th- th- was there anything that you looked at that or even the, the documentary as well where you looked at it and it brought you back to maybe when you were own, make, making your own strides in rugby as well or, or sport even for that matter yeah look I think everybody everybody has them stories like I was watching a, a documentary during the week and Aaron Smith was talking about it and he talked about how much he loves his past and he just gets in such a <laughs> 
such a like a buzz still from the zip when he passes you know and you're just like oh that's such a gorgeous kind of feeling like I remember um I remember it being like Christmas and I, it was I think it was like the 17th of December or something like that and I remember just at the time I was training outside and it was snowing and it was mm. completely like the ground was covered and there was just a pathway that I found that was a hill and I was like oh I can do my intervals there and you know at the time we didn't have SNC or any guidance and here was I thinking it's the 17th of December we still really haven't heard about training for the Six Nations yet like when are we going to hear about it but yeah. like no but I still have to train I still know that I need to be here and like I did sports science because I had so I had a vague understanding mm-hmm. of like where I was supposed to be and uh, like you're out there just kind of slogging it but loving it like you do it just because you love it and and you know that you're committed to the girls and you're not there you know they're doing the same regardless of the, the structures around you so like yeah it does resonate from a structure and a resource point of view but like I think every person that makes it to playing for their country or, or representing their country has that kind of personal slog and it's like I suppose Jamie then like even for you like it looks like back then it just looks like so basic and what they were doing was so kind of basic as well but we were only talking to Shane Horgan there a couple of weeks ago and he was just we were out at like Donnybrook and Energy Park and he was saying you know this is where we were set up like Mick Dawson was working out of a you know one of the cabins you know like a, a temporary cabin as well but like back then it's like it's only you can probably see the way women's rugby is gonna go if the proper investments made in it because look how far Leinster have come in that last 15 years and you were involved for a big chunk of that as well. Yeah, I think like if you take the game as a whole, so rugby as a whole, um, in order for the game to grow and expand into new markets and new territories and all that sort of thing, I mean, you need everyone playing it mm-hmm. to invest in everyone that's playing it. And we talked actually a bit earlier about like the different, so like, it's, like just take rugby for example, like you need you know, you need really strong men's teams, women's teams, you need good sevens teams, you need good, you know, underage teams, you even need, like, it's great that you even have tag or, or touch mm. as well. You need all these different touch points for people to, to get involved, regardless of whatever sort of, you know, background, creed, colour, uh, sex, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, we need, we want everyone to be, to play it. And if you look at, like, the 15s game, in general, I always, the reason I always love rugby, if I'm really, really honest, is because it was a game that included everyone, mm-hmm. of all shapes, all sides, yeah, yeah. all abilities. Like, I, like, take the Leinster team from a couple of years ago. You had people like Mike Ross, 130 something kilos, yeah. right? Could do things that I could never do, mm-hmm. and vice versa. And you had me, and then you had someone like I don't know Luke Fitzgerald or something. You know what I mean? Um, and you see that in every team, yeah, yeah. and that's and like that's the 15s game, you know what I mean? And I just love the way that rugby does that and includes everyone. And I think the powers of be in in world rugby and when it boils down to the different um, uh, provinces and countries, that they've all got to invest in uh, all the different layers of the sport in order to to grow it out and and kind of come up to date you know what i mean and it's it's not it's not going to happen overnight nothing happens overnight yeah, yeah. and the game is only while it's relative it's an, it's an old sport and um, take the the men's game is only professional 25 years yeah yeah you know what i mean so it's, it's as a professional sport in general it's very young yeah yeah um so these kind of things don't happen overnight but that that comes with its challenges you know and that comes with people having you know, on the you seventeenth know, of December, is that what you said? Yeah. Um, you know, having you know no real investment, having to go out on your own to, to, to train. You know what I mean? And and 
put in those those kind of hours and challenges but you when you're in it like that when you're part of a team like that and you feel included in the team like that you'll do anything for them uh, regardless if you actually get on with them or not you yeah. know what i mean because <laughs> um, you're all pointed towards that one kind of common collective goal yeah yeah there was a story there, even just moving away from, from rugby a little bit, um, I don't know if you'd both seen that during the World Cup, but that girl, Formiga, who played for Brazil, and that she had actually started playing, she was playing for, this is her fifth, no, maybe seventh World Cup, but football was still illegal for women in Brazil at the time. Like, to see something like that and to see how far even that's come, and look at the interest there was in the Women's World Cup there as well. It's something to even aim towards, isn't it, for rugby as well? Yeah, yeah, so much. It's bonkers. Like, it's, yeah. it's crazy stats here in Ireland. If you were a civil servant and a woman and you got married in the 70s, you had to leave. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> that crazy. You know, so when you reflect back and look at these things, like I'd be really, really hopeful that we are going to make big strides in this next couple of years because there's an appetite for it in Ireland. Like, look what, from a civil point of view, like, look what we've achieved mm-hmm. from uh, gay marriage and our, our all, all of the different things that we have done. So, like, I, I see that we're going to make big gains in, in the next couple of years from it. But, yeah, like, there's loads of examples of that. We're like, that's complete bonkers. Yeah. We have to trust that. Those examples, we, we did, there wasn't the traction back then when it was illegal. Um, we have to trust that if you get the sense that, geez, that's wrong, we've got to listen to it. You know, people have more voices now and um, are more willing to call it out. Um, but we have to trust that and, and make changes because like we're, we're talking about a sporting context here um, but in general like we want more people like we were talking about it before nobody owns sports it's not a yeah females or males don't own sports like we all own it so it's not supposed to be and i think from a from a from a women in sport point of view we look at sport there is a kind of homogenous view of what sports people need to look like and what we need to do in order to constitute that's the sport and there's just different versions of it like yeah. so if there's if, if women do something different to men that's just great let's embrace it and if a different if different ethnicities or sexualities or religions do something different a version of that then let's just embrace it because the more people are in it then crack on the better it is and then even for you like um like ireland have had their you know with the women's team of you know they're playing in tiny venues sometimes and small crowds and the backing wasn't always there but it's it's going in the right direction. Leinster have this double header coming up at the weekend as well. But for you, when you were playing as well, who, were, who was the team that maybe you were always like, Jesus, they have it. You know, like, they have a good setup there. Like, was there a team that always sort of, England, the All Blacks? Yeah. 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 <laughs> always England. And the thing is, it's one of those things, and, you, and you'll, everybody has that rivalry. It's probably like the tennis rivalry at the moment with Nadal and, you know, Federer and Djokovic. They probably hate each other so much, mm. but love each other because they're better because of it. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. We hated England <laughs> because they were so good. But they made us. They made us so much better. And I love so much flag bearers. I love so much people that are out there saying this is the way. This is the direction that we're going. As opposed to kind of shrinking back to the common denominator. I love that so much. So crack on England and the things that they're doing. And it's it's our fault that we're not keeping up with it. You know, because we have the capability. Just for that, we're not we're not doing it. In a way, like yeah, as much as Ireland didn't really achieve what they wanted to achieve in that Women's World Cup that was held here good in a way to actually see what women's rugby is capable of when you saw that kind of final as well like and the, the standard that was played at as well up in Belfast yeah, yeah absolutely I think there was uh, I, I, I think I'm underplaying it now I think it was seven tries maybe nine tries in a World Cup final yeah. when did you get that yeah yeah oh it was absolutely <laughs> such great rugby and, and Jamie for you was it England again or like is I look back at it yourself and is the All Blacks rate a standard bearer for you guys or was it more the kind of local thing of coming up against England and testing yourself against them I think 
for me anyway, for kind of my career, New Zealand were the, were the standard bearer. Mm -hmm. um, they were one team that for like years we didn't beat. Yeah. I mean, where we'd go, we'd either we'd get to half time and be just ahead or even, and then they'd blow us out of water in the first 10 minutes of the second half. Um, or we'd be, then, then we started getting to a stage where, oh, we could go to 60 minutes and then they yeah. away. And then we got, I think it was down in Christchurch where we got the mm. new draw. Yeah, yeah. And then they got a drop goal, you know what I mean? Oh, and then in 2013, and, you know, yeah. and that's, what, that's, that's the level that we always kind of put ourselves against them. But they were number one in the world as well, so that's kind of what made sense, um, I suppose, at the time. But in terms of like setup and investments, um, you know, we got oodles of that over the years and, and, and we just made sure to make the most of that because you, we wanted to kind of return that investment for, for fans, for the people who invested in the actual game itself, and for the people like in Leinster and Ireland who gave us those facilities to kind of be able to go full time into it and completely kind of give yourself over mm -hmm. uh, to the sport. Um, that's what you, you want to kind of give back in that. And, and yourself as well, you wanted to be able to say that you, you did everything that you could. Yeah, um, but yeah. To answer your question, New Zealand were a standard bearer, and for my entire career, like that's, you know, that's you know, I, I always, I never liked the fact that people were like, oh, he gave a good effort. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I'd be like, it would drive me mad because I'd be like, I, I appreciate it. You know, I'd never give out them for. Mm -hmm. It'd be my own internal demon monologue that I'd have yeah. on. But I'd be like, you know, that's not good enough. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not playing this just to have a good, you know, kind of get a pat on the back and say, oh, you know good effort but like it's New Zealand it's like it shouldn't be like that you know yeah Ireland we we punch above our weight so often you know in all manners of sports that we should you know not be just there to take part you know we should we should be there to, to try and be number one in it and there's nothing wrong with that ambition you know and um, nothing wrong with that ambition whatsoever just about how you go about it now but having that ambition is, is pretty healthy there was one it's actually now we're on the All Blacks actually I haven't really ever got a chance to talk to you about that game where you finally did break the hoodoo as well, yeah. but um, if Lynn, if you'll indulge me for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, well, if, I, if I stand corrected, didn't the women's team beat them first? Yeah, that was 2013 World Cup, wasn't it? 2014. 14 World Cup, yeah. Yeah, and then the 20s, the year after, yeah. then beat them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In New Zealand, in South Africa. At the time, oh yeah, and that 2016. Um, but yeah, that one, like, for you, that game, the whole thing with Joe Schmidt coming up to you guys before it and letting you know about this figure eight of eight as well, and and then for you to be a number eight as well, like in, in that game when it gets so what like what can you remember that so moment of standing got, there? It kind of got flagged with us. Camera was it Thursday or Friday, but on the Friday we were like, okay, well if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it properly. Like a, we don't want to look like idiots. Yeah. B, we want to do. The symbolism that it was, and then knowing how important the hacker is, people we didn't want to offend the hacker, but mm -hmm. also wanted to. Um, this is the beauty of rugby, where it's like it, it like you know, the hacker, for example, is such a, a heavily significant thing culturally for uh, New Zealand, for Maoris, and that's it's great for that as part of the game. Mm -hmm. and we were like they allowed us to kind of do our interpretation of what was important to us as well. Yeah, and that's why we we made sure we all lined up and knew what we had to do and when and, and how it all looked and. And um, I never realised how, because um, when you're when we were in it, we kind of got into our positions, mm -hmm. and, whatever, and then the hacker went on. You kind of you're zoning in, you're trying to eyeball a guy, and all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of just in the moment. 
I, it was only afterwards that people talked to me about um, how the crowd started slowly realizing yeah. what we were doing and how they got behind it. And then when I saw some of the imagery afterwards, um, yeah, it couldn't have turned out any better and, and, a, and a great way to pay um, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Condolences, well, not condolences, but to respect. Homage, yeah, yeah, homage. Uh, to uh, Axel. Yeah. And then um, that one as well, there's a f I, I always loved it. There's the, just before the break was up the left-hand side, there was a scrum that you went into and you guys had tried to outrun and gas out the All Blacks in that game as well, but you were just at the back of it and it's a big deep breath like that and you go into it and then I think Jared Payne threw a pass over the top as well, but how did you have the energy at the end to pull this little pullback pass? Like was that a, when was that conceived, or was that just something you had in the playbook to oh, set up we, we Henshaw? Had, we had that move before, like, and I, I, I'd imagine they probably had that move in their in their playbook. Mm -hmm. um, and we just thought it was it was the right time, right place to call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny, you never like obviously you try and get yourself fit enough, so you're you're good coming into those last twenty minutes. And I tend to play eighty minutes, so I was kind of fit for that eighty minutes. Mm -hmm. um, still fast fast game but um, I just knew um, it's funny you know when a move it's, it's hilarious well not hilarious but you know in the moment when a move works perfectly because it's just you're always looking for certain things and I knew when I came out I think it's Seville was the seven was yeah it? you came on yeah it came really hard at me but I I, I was at I got to the ten but I knew Seville was really lateral so you know Best luck trying to stop Robbie Henshaw when you're kind of like square on with him, but when you're lateral, like I just knew that all I had to do was just make sure I, I just leave, like loft it up for Robbie and not have it down low. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he still had a bit of work. He had a, sorry, had a bit of work to do, but um, he just knew leaving it up that it was it was a try all day. He just turned around. That's why there's a picture and it's just like I'm just standing. There. I'm not even beside Robbie. I'm just standing there like this because I know it's in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Good times. Uh, and, and then like, because we were chatting to Peter O'Mahony, he was here yesterday, he's the, the new face of M&S basically, he's going to be covering all their catalogues, he's going to be on the front of, but um, we were chatting to him and it's only when you go back over the last three or four years and you, it's almost like it was a G up, <laughs> I was reminding him like, when you did this and then you beat France 41 phases and then you went to Twickenham and won a Grand Slam and um, and then he starts talking about it, and then because there, there is this, you know, mood at the moment where there's not like huge confidence in this Irish team at the moment going over to Japan. But it's not so long ago that they actually did some great things. Like, so are you in that kind of? Are you a bit more optimistic than maybe it's maybe it'll take a few more war, like warm up games to get us into the mood? But are you are you optimistic this squad heading over to Japan? Yeah, look, they have the caliber, don't they? Like we've we've seen that in action. Um, there's something I remember thinking it was last year um, when. It was it was in, when when Ireland beat New Zealand mm -hmm. in November last year, and I remember there was something around like mentally knowing that you can win, yeah. Mentally being able to own that, um, and Ireland are very comfortable being underdogs and are comfortable going in saying Let's give it give it a lash, guys, or whatever, and that's that's not necessarily okay. There's something definitely around you growing and evolving and. Being capable and wanting to win, and being capable and wanting to be, um, be favourites. So, like I, we've seen Ireland in that form, we know that they have the talent, and you'd be hopeful that they're going to peak again. We haven't seen enough of it to see because it was a mixed-up team, obviously on Saturday, and you'd be really hopeful that we're going to see that form coming to a head over the next couple of weeks. We have, we have got the talent. It's, it's going to be tough yeah. because what we were saying before is that. 
although it kind of seems New Zealand are a little bit off the boil, you know, who, who's mm. like, what, what teams are in contention. If New Zealand are off the boil, that's a good, that's a good sign, but that's probably going to turn around in the next couple of weeks. And you've got South Africa, Argentina, Australia back in yeah. form, you know, Wales. Let's just see what happens. England, like what they produce at the weekend as well. And Ireland. So it's going to be a tough one, obviously. We, we just hope you've got to back just Ireland is that they're going to find their form. Mm-hmm. And then, do you want to add to that? We're going to be grand, are we? Uh, I mean, I, I would always, like, you know, stay in your lane. So what do I mean by that? Like, never get, you're never as bad as they say, you're never as good as they say, right? Just try and stay somewhat in the middle, right? And I think this Irish team is very good at trying to stay in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're very consistent. Um, that's one thing you can say about this squad. Um, and I think, like, if you look at the two contrasting Grand Slam year in 18, and this year, the the margin for error is so fine between the two. So, like that, take the France game that you mentioned. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, he doesn't how get that drop goal. Yeah, yeah. It's a different story. Mm-hmm. People forget that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And they forget how close the Wales game actually was until mm-hmm. the intercept. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and you could say the same about a couple of games. The result going the other way. So you don't. What I'm trying to say is, don't turn into a bad team overnight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think the guys will be lacking confidence. They've had a lot of time together. I think it's, it's probably gotten tougher, not because of them, actually, because mm-hmm. of other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, like South Africa are in really good form. New Zealand are really good. Well, look, uh, they lost the game, but I think they're in good form. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? um, they'll so, be all right. Yeah, they'll be <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, that quarterfinal, regardless, is, is going to be, uh, has gotten a lot tougher. Yeah, and, and then I want to just to, to wrap up by finishing up by talking about your first game for Ireland and where was it and what was it like and who was in the crowd and how much things have changed. Uh, two people in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> the Cadwells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like my mother didn't come and watch me play for about five years and I was down at Thoman Park and I remember her coming and she came around the corner and we were we were lined up for the anthems and I shake my legs. I didn't realise I do but I tend to shake my legs in the anthems just because you know you're nervous whatever. And uh, my mother came around the corner, saw me shake my legs and thought I was afraid and left. Oh. <laughs> she thought I was scared and left. Like, honestly, that's how archaic it was. But um, 79 nil in Worcester against England. A win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 79 nil. I went on as a winger and um, it was a frightening experience. Wow. Like, honestly, God. But hey, look, you have to start somewhere. Yeah, well, listen, yeah, and if anybody wants to say, uh, have a look at that, it's a great little documentary and a video that's gone out as well. And thanks for chatting to us as well today. No worries. Cheers. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.